I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Can you believe it's been 10 years of Convo by Design? Because I can't. But thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. I appreciate you. And I was thinking about you as I was recording this episode you're about to hear with Tracy Murphy of Trademark Interiors. We're taking a deep dive into the psychology behind design, why we do what we do, and how design informs those decisions, as well as how those decisions inform what we do. Tracy Murphy has built her firm on the principles of therapy and crafted a process to, to get to foundational basics in design. Not just an exploration in how her clients want to live, but why. Not why do they want to live, but why do they want to live that way, which can be the difference between wonderful design and transformational design. It all starts with listening. That's the easy part. Understanding, processing, what follows is where the magic lies. And you'll hear all about that right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10, and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now, and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. Thermosol engineers the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems worldwide for a few reasons. They were the first company to design patent the technology here in the U.S. dating back to 1958. Thermosol, a U.S. brand, a U.S. manufacturer in Round Rock, Texas, employs an engineering team that designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before it departs the factory. Who else does that? Nobody. I have had the pleasure of working with some world-class designers and architects who tell me And you probably know this, that the idea of luxury has changed and continues to change, especially when clients want a spa-like bathroom. Steam is mandatory. Or it's just not considered a, a, a luxury space. And if you want to add steam, you have one true option. It's Thermosol. And now, Thermosol, the industry leader in steam, bath equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing their already stellar family of products with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas. Available in three design configurations, each sauna is handcrafted from clear western red cedar or Nordic spruce, inspired by the brilliance of northern European sauna technology and design. A luxury bathroom isn't luxury without steam. If you want luxury, you have one option. It's Thermosol. Check them out at thermosol.com and at thermosol on the socials. And I, and by the way, I love that. That is my favorite response. I, for those who listen to the show, I always ask um, any questions before I hit the little red button. You know, it's like, it's like now's your chance. And more often than not, I get the, no, I don't, I, I'm coming in blind. I don't know what I'm doing here. Okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's great. Do you, do you do a lot of media? Do you do, do you do a lot of press? Um, more so in the last, you know, couple of years we have, but prior to that, no, it was very new to me, but, um, we're doing a lot more local stuff, a lot of, you know, media quotes, local media quotes. I do a local, um, you know, Wednesday morning show that I go on and do like some design tips and stuff like that. So at local news. Yeah. It's a, a morning show. Um, you know, so it's, 
they do little segments about many different things, but, you know, they often have me come on to talk about design trends or, you know, hot luxury holiday gift guides or things like that. So it's fun. It's fun. Do you like doing that? Is that a, is, I, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I talk to people all the time and it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's fun to do, but it's not what you really do for a living. You know, like, like you don't talk to your clients, your clients, are, you're doing their whole home and, and they, so what are the latest design trends? You know, let's do that. It, nobody wants to do that. It's, just, but that's what the news wants. That's what these morning shows kind of live off of. It's, it's, it almost like we were having a Mac versus PC conversation. It almost is a Mac versus PC kind of conversation. It is for sure. And you're, you're completely right about that where, you know, you don't talk to your clients that way. It's those little things that really help with marketing and help to, you know, establish credibility that somebody asked me to come on a show and talk about what's happening in the design world. And um, it is fun. Actually, we do it on wine Wednesday. So the girls always have wine. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And we're like, okay, why not? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's exciting. Yeah. Go for that. Look, um, and it's interesting too, because one of the things that I love about you, and I want to get into this, is you have fully embraced this idea of psychology in interior design. Mm-hmm. Does it surprise you that most people still don't really consider that as a, as a factor in, in design? They don't. Yes. And well, yes and no. Yes. It surprises me now that it's like fully immersed into my brain um, and on my mind all the time. But for many years, I, I personally didn't make a connection. You know, I was like, I was, you know, I studied psychology, I got a degree. And then I was like, what am I going to do with this? You know, started down the path of working in the world of, um, therapy and some research. And I was like, this is really not for me. (laughs) You know, I couldn't do the one-on-one therapy sessions. And, you know, as many people do, you know, you make a transition trying to figure out like, okay, well, I was 18 when I made that decision. Um, And I did it because it was like, well, I'm getting A's in all these classes. So there's something there, right? There's something there that, you know, appeals to me and I keep moving forward with it. But then afterwards, I didn't really want my career to be focused one in research or two in therapy. And I didn't really see any other kind of avenues at that point. And then when I, um, you know, gravitated to interior design, which was completely by accident, um, you know, immersed myself into that, went back to school, started my business, you know, and then it was many years later when a few people had said, wow, you know, other designers wow, that must really come in handy, the psychology part. (laughs) I was like, huh, I should lean into that a little bit more. (laughs) So then it it was like an aha moment for me when, you know, it was other designers that said that understand the relationships that happen with, with clients along, you know, along the way in that process that they were like, huh, that's a useful little tool you have there. And I was like, well, yeah, I should, you know, I should lean into that. How do you employ that? How do you activate that in your practice? Um, you know, subtly, because sometimes that uh, psychology word scares people a little bit, but, um, you know, it's really trying to explain to clients um, and my team about, you know, this is all about how people feel. You know, we're trying to create 
beautiful interiors, you know, beautiful and functional spaces for our clients. And that's very important. But at the end of the day, when you come home to your house and, you know, you walk in the door, you want your clients and yourself in your own home, you know, to um, be able to use the spaces and feel really good about them, whether that's the kitchen, the gym, the bathroom, the study, you know, and all of those spaces have different functions. So, and when you're in there, you know, if you're in the kitchen and you're busy and you're making cooking dinner for a family of 10, that's a whole different internal feeling than if you're in your study, relaxing in a chair, trying to read a book. So just kind of wrapping our heads around with our clients, how do they want to feel in spaces? You know, how do they envision using their homes and, you know, what aspects of their, um, you know, their psyche do we, do we need to kind of pull out through different elements, whether, you know, it's color or materials or texture or any of those kinds of things. But, um, you know, it's subtle, but it's also, we bring it through into our questionnaire, trying to, you know, pull out of people what they're looking for and, um, you know, how they want to interact with their family. Let's talk about that questionnaire for a minute, because I feel, I, I love that. It's funny because I, I do that with my partners as well. You know, when I'm working with, with, with my branded partners and the campaigns that I create, um, you know, the questionnaire is so valuable, but you also have to be really cautious because, you know, you can ask a thousand questions and get poor answers because you have, you ask too many, you can ask five questions and get too much information that doesn't really cover everything that you really want to know. I'm fascinated by the psychology of design. And, you know, here's part of that, part of that calculus. And I, and I've said this all the time, you know, designers, architects are futurists in a sense, you really are Um, designers 15 to 20 years out. You're looking at the design architects, 100, 150, 75, whatever, but it's a, it's a longer timeframe that their work is expected to stay relevant in a, in a given space because it's a, it's a hard structure built, right? And design and decorating is it's, it's not, it's not that it's trendy. It's that you're designing for people who people change. And so you're designing for them as they change. So 15 years from now, gosh, I hope my design taste is different than it is now. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you use as a baseline to get to where your clients are now and still have some level of, of ability to predict where they might be in future years? You know, it's really all about layered conversations. Um, that questionnaire is super important. It's a great jumping off point. You know, it's a great way I, to, you know, get some basic information and you're 1000% right. Like if you don't ask the right questions or you can get too much of nothing or a little of everything and, um, you know, to really kind of take that and dive into it. So I'm, constantly tweaking that questionnaire, um, you know, based on like, well, does that work or not work or, or what have you, but, you know, trying to get a basic understanding of some general things in terms of, um, how the family operates within the home, you know, who's there, how are they living? You know, pretty much, I'm sure a lot of designers have these same kinds of questions for their clients in terms of the function of the space and what their dreams are, but then, you know, kind of diving into color, and exploring that 
you know, a lot more in depth to try to get the information out of them in terms of, you know, um, what really appeals to them, what doesn't. And, um, you know, just kind of like the feelings that they want to have in each space. So it's like asking a question on the questionnaire, getting an answer, sitting down, that's like round one. Round two is they come into the studio, we sit down, we're trying to review some things and we just go through it, you know, piece by piece. And, you know, once the end of the day, people love to talk about themselves. So, um, you know, it's, you get them going and they'll, and they'll talk more and more. So we spend a lot of time in that programming to get the information out. They're not going to answer these questions or talk about these things in depth on a questionnaire, but they're certainly going to sit into a meeting. And if we ask them, you know, a certain thing about something on the questionnaire about you hate the color Brown, tell me, what is it? You know, why do you hate it? Or, you know, Opposing to that, you love the color blue. Tell me about that. Do you have great positive experiences about that? Have you, you know, had blue rooms before? What is it, you know, how does it speak to you? And then, of course, looking at the partner in that relationship, if there is one, how do you feel about blue? You know, because everybody sees color differently and everybody reacts to color differently. So finding that balance for the homeowners, especially when there's two, um, you know, and, and really understanding how, how they react to certain um, design elements, whether it's color or material um, or space, closed spaces, open spaces, things like that. So you're in Sarasota. Yes. And would you say the majority of your clients are, are in Florida or do you have clients elsewhere? A majority are here. We do have some projects outside of Florida, and then there are generally other homes of our clients that are here. So how how has this new influx? It's really interesting to me because every time there's there's a you know there's a major disruption financially in the country, people flock flock to Texas and Florida. And I think a lot of that has to do with you know, tax scenarios and economics, right? But you, you know, Florida is is a major beneficiary of movement in. How has that affected your firm? Uh, very positively. Um, you know, we've experienced wonderful growth over the last few years. Um, you know, the pandemic, I think with everybody was that first month, you know, sheer panic. Um, like, holy crap, what are we going to do now? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, panic mode. And then after that was like, oh, we realized everybody was like, get me out of wherever I am. Get me to the sunshine state, <laughs> you know, where we can be outside. The weather's beautiful. We don't have to worry about all this stuff. So it was really amazing to me, the amount of influx that we had at a very rapid rate. So it was a little overwhelming at first. I mean, you know, I now have these little moments where I'm like, oh, you did nothing in 2020. Like you were bored. It's like, I don't even remember like seeing my house in 2020. <laughs> you know, we were just heads down working nonstop. So it was, you know, it was crazy. And things have since gotten to a really great point. It's still super busy. But, you know, we've kind of been managing the influx of clients a little better and making sure we're taking jobs that truly fit what we do instead of like, yep, we'll help you. Yep, we'll help you. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, how, it's, it's a strange question, but um, 
I think it's important. Like, how did you go about? So you've got all these people that are moving in. Mm-hmm. How do you go about attracting them and building your your client? That is one of the things that you know. You talk about the psychology of design. When you flip the script a little bit, you go on the business side. You talk to designers. How do I get more clients? And then it's not just how do I get more clients, but how do I get the right clients? So I'm curious, what did you do? How did you do that? Yeah, I think that's an ever evolving process for myself, um, hopefully for everybody, because you have to fine tune it a little bit. It's really difficult. You think you have it down and, you know, then you're like, oh, I didn't do that right. But one of the things that I've learned um, is patience in the process and really understanding that we need to interview our clients just as much as they're interviewing us. You know, we need to make sure that they're checking all the boxes on our end as well. It's not just like, oh, you have a job. It's great. Super. We'll do it. Um, Which I think we did a little bit of that in 2020. Uh, You know, I often used to have a problem saying no to jobs and I've gotten really good at doing that now where I'm able to qualify the clients a little bit better, but, you know, understanding, keeping that line of communication open and really asking thoughtful questions about how they like to work you know, what their style of communication is. Are they open about money conversations? Because if we can't talk about money, it's going to be a problem. You know, um, I think this, what we do, you know, we're talking about a high dollar, you know, high dollar purchase um, for our clients. It's very emotional for them. It's very personal. And being able to understand that we're on the same team, we're partners you know, and we, we, you know, we we're side by side with you. So we want to make sure from the beginning that you understand that we're a team, we're going to do this together. We need to have open communication about all of that. You have to trust us and, and you have to be a nice person. <laughs> so that's our number one rule right now is like, we only work with nice people. And um, I think we've done a really great job at, you know, kind of narrowing that down, but getting to the point of just nice people, you know, people you want to hang out with, people you could see being friends with. Yeah, um, that's important, isn't it? Especially when you're, when you have to spend more time, you know, in, in tight quarters, isn't it funny? We're, we're, I don't know if you feel the same way, but you sort of have to reevaluate the people that you're hanging out with. You know, it, does this person make good choices? Are they hanging around with the wrong person, people? Because, you know, I want to, I just want to be smart, especially now where it seems like, so we're on the verge of K-Biz, right? I don't know if you're heading out to, to are you heading out to Vegas for K-Biz this year? I'm not, no. Too busy? Too busy. <laughs> so, but it's, it's going to be widely attended. You know, you look at getting back out to some of these events and, and get it re-engaging and you really start to think about the company you keep again, you know, and it's, it's important. It's important. Yeah. How has, how has, um, how has events from the last few years? It's, it's interesting too, because with all of these people coming into Florida, into your market and now becoming clients of yours, they come in with their own ideas and their own design thoughts. And I, I imagine it's, it's great for you to get this influx of creative energy, what are you being asked for now that maybe you weren't really asked for in your work before? I think the most prominent thing that we're being asked for is those, um, are those, um, segmented spaces 
within the home. So, you know, before it was all open, everything, you know, open floor plans. Um, you know, we want to see every space. We all want to be together. We just mm-hmm. want big, you know, take down all the walls and, you know, give us all the seating you can so we can have 25 people over. And now we're like, well, now we need, you know, five spaces. You know, I need an office. I need a yoga studio. I need a space for the kids to hang out. I need a space for, um, you know, dedicated work, what, you know, what have you. But it's, we're definitely more into the segmented spaces, the connection that we're sharing with our family and friends on a more intimate level. And, you know, just kind of like smaller, you know, like what you just said about fine tuning who you're hanging out with and what you're doing. And it's like narrowing your focus and, you know, bringing everything closer to home and closer to heart, which I think just speaks volumes towards the psychology of design too. And thinking about like how people feel in their spaces and bringing that all together and really creating those little cocoon spaces or those special spaces that create memories. You're listening to my conversation with Tracy Murphy of Trademark Interiors. We'll be right back. Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at designhardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. We talk all the time about transformative design. We, we have conversations about it, but what does that really mean? Design improves the lives of those who inhabit the space, right? But it also feeds the creativity and the soul of the individual who creates it? Are you looking for a way to give back? The Oasis Alliance is a 501c3 collective of creatives based in and around the Washington, D.C. area with a mission to provide healing spaces for those who are rebuilding, rehabilitating, and recovering. Have you wondered how to apply your design skills to uplift your community? It all starts with a desire and a willingness to share your gifts. Danielle Woodhouse Johnson of the Oasis Alliance and her team are looking for guest designers, in-kind sponsors, and funding to make better the spaces and therefore the lives of everyday people who find themselves coming out of traumatic situations. Do you want to help? Check out theoasisalliance.org for more information. And diving into that a little deeper, as far as the technology, as far as the new materials, new products, new concepts, the, the actual in design, um, has that changed what I totally get? It's funny because to me, there's always a response to a major trending idea, right? And what you're talking about is that response to the open floor plan. And it's so funny, isn't it? Like that modern influence of everything just needs to be it's it's open and it's spacious and it's one well it's great until you need to find a place for peace and quiet or you need to multitask or you need to make the dining room a classroom or you need to make the kitchen an office um because you don't have that because everything's wide open i feel like 
the learning curve, the, the amount of, of general learning in design and architecture in the past three years has just been a hockey stick. I mean, I think the, the principles and practices that we've, that we've learned over the last three years will, will be instrumental for decades to come. I agree. I mean, it's been such an eye-opening experience and, you know, I mean, obviously nobody could see this coming and understand that at some point we would need all these, you know, segmented spaces and, and, you know, but that is the evolution of design, you know, that is over the years, you know, as you said, something happens and it shifts our mindsets and our perspectives into a new direction. And, you know, it's a cycle. So, you know, I think designing for flexibility and designing for um, not necessarily the current trends, but real life, you know, so real life, you want some open spaces because people do entertain and they, you know, they do want that. But so I think just striking a balance when you're designing um, and hitting, you know, hitting that button of you can accommodate a lot of these things within within a design scheme of a home, for instance, um, of, you know, creating some great entertaining spaces for family, but also being able to find little pockets for people to get away and, you know, be able to re-energize themselves. So with that, one of the things that I absolutely love doing, um, I've been doing it for a number of years and it really started, it started before the pandemic in doing in-person interviews. But once I got on Zoom, being able to do this has just been such a gift and I love doing this. I, I love being able to go through, in the context of our conversation, actually go through some of our projects, uh, some of your projects rather. And what I will say is, um, for those listening to the show, um, if you wanna follow along, go to the show notes and you can find your way to Trademark Interior's website and follow along on some of these projects that we're talking about. Because Tracy, I think um, it's fun for me because as we have this conversation, then we can go and look at your work and, and you can see how you employ that, um, how you take those ideas and you actually apply them. And I wanna start with one of your projects in particular, because I have, I have a pet peeve. It's not with you. So <laughs> you take that deep breath. It's like, oh no, what's he, what's coming? It's it's a pet peeve. It's not with you. It is, I absolutely, and and it's kind of goes back to the very beginning of our conversation. I I really don't like the trendy conversation mm -hmm. as it relates to interior design with all of the fine arts. Nobody ever says about jazz. Well, yeah, but that's kind of trendy. Nobody ever says about fine art. Yeah, but that color, I mean, that's not the color of the year. Why would you paint a painting in that color? It's just kind of stupid. And, right. and it doesn't make any sense. And especially because people live with this. So the one I, the project of yours I wanted to start with is the white elephant. Okay. Because I cannot tell you how many times I have seen in, in those listicles, the white kitchen is dead. Don't, don't do white kitchens. White kitchens are out white. That is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. <laughs> You're right. It is. I it's agree. asinine. Um, <laughs> because if somebody likes a white kitchen, do you really think that because some editor said that the white kitchen is dead, that they're not, oh, well, I can't go with a white kitchen. So I think I'll just paint it black. 
Right. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a black kitchen either. I right. love black. I love black. But the the white kitchen, I've always been a fan. And I know that there are others that are out there, not because you have to, or because it's easier to do a white kitchen, because I think it's not. I mean, you'll. I want your input on this. But I want to walk through this for a number of reasons, because this this kitchen in particular, as you talk about entertaining spaces, as you talk about segmented entertaining spaces, this is this is like a little jewel box to me. There is so there is so much to unpack from this one room. And as you look at it, I, I had to keep cycling through it to go look at different things. So tell me about this project. We'll, we'll, we're going to get into a bunch of different projects, but I wanted you to tell me first about this particular kitchen, the project, what went into it, what the thought process was, what you were asked for, and how you wound up with this. Well, this is really funny that you selected that to start with because that's my kitchen. <laughs> so you know it intimately. Okay, cool. Oh, I love that. I know it intimately. Yes. So uh, that's really funny. But thank you. Thank you. I love that kitchen too. Um, so uh, my husband, my husband like person, um, and I purchased a, um, a home in the middle of the pandemic, as a lot of people did. So we had a client previous client who had purchased, we built a house for, and then, um, they sold that and they bought this home. It's a 1980s built home that had some major structural problems. And they called my husband, who's a custom home builder and said, you know, Hey, can you come take a look at this and let me know what you think, you know, should we move? Should we tear it down? We don't know what to do. So he came over and he's like, yeah, it's fixable. It's just really expensive. And, you know, he kind of gave him a number and they were like, do you want to buy it? And he said, well, let me ask Tracy. Let me see if she wants it. So I came over and fell in love. I just completely fell in love with the house. And um, it was, it's a project, you know, like I think as I started, like there's construction going on in the background here. Um, so anyway, it's just, but it's the perfect home for what we we're kind of talking about because it has these great open entertaining spaces but they're all a bit segmented so you can kind of kind of hear what's going on in other spaces but you're in your own little zone so um but it's a really interesting home it's a big project we have it documented on youtube so if anybody wants to follow along on youtube it's um we have i think we just we're just putting up our seventh episode um, on the renovation project. And um, the last part of the repair work is going on right now. And we'll be finished with that in about a month. But in any event, sorry, that was a really long answer to get back to the kitchen. <laughs> no, it's great. It's perfect. I love it. So, um, and it's a large home. So we, um, we had a ton of cabinetry in that kitchen. We didn't change the footprint of the home at all. We just had to do structural repairs and then a lot of updating since it was a 1980s home. And, but there's great architectural detailing in this home. It's really fabulous. And um, we were able to repurpose all of the cabinets. Um, we actually took the old cabinetry, put them into my mom's house and, you know, gave them to other people, but it was a, it was a really great experiment. Um, in repurposing, but the design of the kitchen is, um, was based really on the overall vibe for the house was kind of this organic, um, interesting, um, architecturally, um, appealing home because just the way, what we have going on in the house, I wanted everything to feel a little bit earthy 
but also be um, somewhat neutral. I tend to layer on color as I as I go. Uh, so I wanted something that had some visual interest. I also didn't want something that was super trendy or super classic. I really wanted to fall in that transitional lane in designing that kitchen. Um, one of the biggest factors in the design of the cooking area, cooktop area, was that my husband um, never closes a cabinet door. So the- <laughs> I, got, I got one of those too. I got one of those too. So, and even though I do most of the cooking, it still was like, oh my gosh, when he's in there, every cabinet door is open. So it was an absolute must to have some open shelving where I could just put plates because I was like, okay, the basic thing, he might be setting the table or whatever, but I needed a shelf. <laughs> so um, that was a really great starting point for the home. So walk me, okay, a couple of questions. I got so many questions. Um, the first is you must, you must love your fabricator. Um, yeah. So as I'm looking at this, one of the first things that strike me, struck me was as you look over the cooktop, you've got you've got the the backsplash material book matched, and you've got a beautiful little pot filler right in it. Everything is so compact, and it feels like everything just has a place, and it feels like everything's in its right place. So. I'm curious, do you do you find yourself working off a map when you do the kitchens or do you do you individualize like you know how you how you say you wanted some open open shelving for that particular reason? There's there's so much what I think the best thing to do is walk me through this because there are things that unless I ask you specifically about them, you would never know like the refrigeration drawer, like sure. you have this butler's pantry, kitchen, small kitchenette off to the side of your kitchen, which obviously you love wine. And that's, it just, that second kitchen within a kitchen opens up the space. So when you're entertaining there, it, there's never a time where it clogs up. You have unclogged it and you've opened it and it's not a huge space. As you go through this, and you're doing the psychology of it and you're doing mentally walking through this, how do you decide where you want everything and how did you put everything together and who did you specify? I know it's a lot, but, and who did you <laughs> specify uh, for this and why? Yeah. So um, the overall layout for the kitchen obviously took a lot of time. It is a, you know, we have great space in there and beautiful natural light because there's skylights on the one part of the kitchen and overlooks the pool. So um, it really is great space, lots of natural light, but we did, we, we do like to entertain and we did want a space that we could, you know, people grab a glass of wine, make a cocktail, whatever. So that wall with the, with the dark green, um, cobblestone cabinetry is we call Tracy's wine bar. And, uh, so, but it's kind of, it's the wine bar and then like a secondary prep area too. So, you know, there's drawer refrigeration there, there's garbage, there's a sink, um, you know, the wine refrigerator, everything you would need to, you know, get your wine, <clears throat> make a cocktail, help prep. If we need, you know, if we need extra hands, there's a sink there and all of that. So it really was a great secondary space. The previous owners actually had that as a desk area. And that's one of my pet peeves. I hate, I don't like desks and kitchens because it's just like 
I'm not that organized, I guess, because it just piles up with mail and crap. Um, so I didn't want any of that. You know, it's like a golden rule in our house. No mail comes into the, like, don't put, don't put the mail on the counter. Um, but yeah, so it was a great kind of secondary space. We used that deep, dark cobblestone green color, which just for me was like super earthy and just really visually interesting. Like sometimes it kind of looks black. Sometimes it looks green. Sometimes it looks more gray. It changes as the day goes on, which was one of the huge points for me. When I found it, I was like, what color is that? <laughs> what is it? But it was one. Very topy. Very topy. Yeah. 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 It just made me feel like cozy. I was like, oh, that's like welcoming and cozy. And, um, you know, I just love that contrast. So I wanted something dark to, um, you know, hold the Island and also to, you know, carry on to that wine wall. As well. And it's so funny too. It's like a, it's almost like a where's Waldo exercise <laughs> trying to find all of the appliances. Yes. I mean, Listen, there is a there is a skill to this too. I mean, I'm I'm looking at you can't possibly count. I mean, you could, but trying to count all of the appliances and you know, there's there's the little the finer nuances to the ice maker. So important because at one side of the kitchen you, you have the refrigerator and it's, you know, you've you've got a panel front and you've got an, an ice maker in the refrigerator as well, but then you've also got the separate ice maker over by Tracy's wine bar. <laughs> and it's what it does is from a entertainment flow standpoint, it completely dissipates any pain points or clogging points for traffic. And I, I just don't feel like that's something that's, that's discussed enough. It's like, okay, well, we're going to go with the traditional triangle where you've got, you know, it, it's not about that anymore. Now it's about how can you take that to the next level and almost municipally city plan <laughs> a traffic pattern through that. through a kitchen. It and is. It does. It's what you've done. Yeah, it gets clogged. I like my elbow room in the kitchen, and yeah. um, you know people do laugh like, "How many ice makers do you need?" And I'm like, "Well, I need two in my kitchen." <laughs> you know and it was important for us to do the refrigeration drawers on that wall. So of course it was like a whole beverage wall. If you pop in out of the pool, you can run up that, you know, you don't have to go into the workspace of the kitchen, you know, to grab a drink or get anything you need. So it was like its own separate little kitchenette kind of, you know, for entertaining um, indoors or out. Are you finding that your clients are more open to because it's an expense issue, um, more open to this uh, idea of additional appliances. And you're, do you have, who's your, do you have one appliance partner, not manufacturer, but a place where you buy your, a, a showroom where you go to do all of that? Because I, I, I feel like it's never been, people learned, um, the importance of specific partnerships when material became hard to obtain. Sure. Very much so. <laughs> right. Yes. So we do use, um, a local, we use Ferguson's a lot. Um, they have a great showroom here. They're, you know, huge in our area and have fabulous options and fabulous salespeople. And they're very knowledgeable about all the different product levels. And we can kind of walk through the whole house and look at many different things. 
within the showroom. So it's one great resource. We also have another like high-end specialty showroom here that has, you know, a little bit more of the bells and whistles that we can send people to for that as well. But, you know, people do ask a lot about, you know, the packages and the extras and the fun stuff. And, you know, we would obviously only really dive deep into that and talk about the importance of the extras and the bells and whistles. If you love to cook, you know, we had a client meeting yesterday and, you know, they're building a multi-million dollar house on the water. And she's, she was basically like, I don't really care about the kitchen. I, you know, I want it to look pretty, but she's like, I'm never going to be in there, but my closet, like that's where we're going to spend the money. And I was like, okay, you go girl, let's do it. You know, <laughs> you know, so it's important to, again, know what the, you know, what's important to the family. Now it's not shown here, but do you have, and maybe it's on the YouTube channel, but do you have an outdoor kitchen as well? Not yet. Yeah. Ooh. Not yet. We're working on it. <laughs> Are you? Yes. What's the plan? Yeah. So we have, it's, I mean, this house is really interesting. I would love for you to check it out and you can see kind of the whole space. It's, it's a very cool house. And so my husband has, there was this, this living room. I don't even know what the space was before, but we, it's the bar now, a full bar. And so it's a billiard, you know, billiard table, and then a bar where we have seating for six at the bar. And then right outside of there is where we're going to do the outdoor kitchen. So the biggest item going into the outdoor kitchen is a pizza oven. So I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm ready for a full-blown pizza oven. It's a great way to entertain. I mean, we eat pizza at least once a week. I love making it. So that's a really fun part that I'm excited about kind of pulling that in, but you know, living in Florida, indoor, outdoor living, we're outside all the time. So it's, you know, it's amazing to just you know, have a space outside where you can entertain and cook at the same time. Yeah. So I want to jump to Waterside. Speaking okay. of that. Yeah. So this is, this is on the water. Yes. And it's, it is very, I'm trying to get to the, uh, to the first image. It It is uniquely Florida. So when I say uniquely Florida, I lived in South Florida for a year um, and learned a lot about Florida. Um, it was the first time being from Southern California, native Angelino. It's the first time I ever saw a swimming pool enclosed. I had never seen that before. <laughs> I had, it's like, what is happening here? Um, but this one is on the water. Got a pool. You've got your outdoor kit. You've got a whole living area. And I'm trying to determine if what I'm looking at, and I think it is, is there's a track. It looks like it, there's a track there. So do you have doors that open, that completely open? Oh, yes. Yeah. Pocketing. Okay. That's right. Okay. So tell me about this project. And I'm looking at the outdoor kitchen. Love this. It's, you know what this is? This is just very easy. This is easy living. It is very easy living. Yeah. And right? there's, yeah, one of our all-time favorite clients, but- they moved down from uh, Pennsylvania. This is a COVID project. You know, they're ones that call and said, Hey, we're building this house. We need you to pull it all together. Great. Here's our time frame." And um, one is from England. One is from um, Scotland. And they are just truly like, give us this easy place to go. Like we're, we're, we're inching towards retirement. We only have a few more years left to go. 
you know, we're all, we're working remotely. We just want to chill. Like we just want to be able to relax, enjoy our life, look forward to retirement. And it was a great partnership because they really understood the value of what we were doing for them and had such a great attitude and were very forward thinking as we were talking about earlier, like forward thinking about how are we going to live here in 10 years? Because right now we're working but you know, in a few years, we're not going to be. So they really kind of understood that forward thinking and thinking ahead of you know what could happen in this space, and it was really exciting to work on that. So are they are they there during the winter and home? So they they, they, they fully moved. They they fully they were like, forget this. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> oh really? They did. Yeah. Yeah, they totally took the leap. And and that's what we found with several of the clients that were either, if they were back and forth during COVID, they were like, forget it, we're out. We're not doing this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I think think a lot of people did that. Um, And even if they couldn't do it full-time, we moved during the pandemic. You know, I'm working on a design house project in Tulsa. We're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I left out, I left Manhattan Beach uh, to to do, and it's a it's a completely different experience. And that's why, you know, jumping around it from some from project to project of yours, because they're so vastly different. And the last one I want to jump to, because this one too is very different, but it's got some of the same through lines that I've seen in other projects that I really, really love. And, and I think this is one of my favorites is uh, casual elegance. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, that's we, that was a few years ago. Okay, yes. That's actually, um, we just finished their second home um, in the mountains. So we just, the, the mountain cottage is their second home that we just finished. Do you know what's funny? I almost went with that, but I jumped to this one instead because I... I It's funny. I didn't want to get to the concept because you have the kitchen, which is open to a living space. And then we're dealing with that. And I I didn't want to go down that, go down that road because sometimes (laughs) you don't have a choice. Sometimes you don't get to, you don't get to change the the floor plan. Right. You you do the best you can with what you have. Exactly. Yeah. Depending on when you come into a project, especially a little late where it's like, okay, this is what you have, but yeah, that was um, that actually won some awards, the Casual Elegance Project, and it was really special because that is the epitome of indoor outdoor living. Um, you know, we have a courtyard, um, the kitchen, and then the pool area, and it's seamless. You just open all those doors, and you see straight through. It's fabulous. I love that. Now, as you as you design this kitchen. Um, was there anything that you would have added if it were your own? Uh, you know, we besides all Tracy, to... besides Tracy's wine bar. Oh, wait, yeah, there is a wine Tracy's bar. Wine. There, there is a wine bar. <laughs> there is a there's a coffee bar and a wine bar in there. Yes, <laughs> um, that's a that's a pretty special project. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know that there's anything that I would have added in there personally. There's a lot there's a lot in there and a lot to unpack and. That client more than um, most of our clients, she's she's really highly involved in the design. Some of, I'd say a majority of our clients aren't quite as involved as that. 
and, but she's just a joy to work with and very specific. And, um, you know, she likes to draw, dive down into every detail of the project. So, um, it really took us almost three years to build, to design and build that home. And um, it was definitely a labor of love, but just kind of diving into you know, to the white and then like what color white. And really we had to play with so many different whites to find the perfect one and kind of the heavy hand on texture in that project as a whole, like really played a part, you know, family living. So you wanted it easy. You want it, you know, to function really well, but still kind of have like a little bit of that crisp look, but still feel a little bit organic. What's interesting about this too is, is as I look through it, correct me if I'm wrong, because sometimes the images don't, don't always tell you the full story, but it looks like the, the courtyard is enclosed and the pool is not. Correct. So there's the center spot, center part of the home the courtyard, which, you know, the master suite kitchen and foyer wrap around the courtyard. And so that's all screened in and it's very, you know, it's very lush. There's lots of greenery in there. Um, it's a great, you know, a water feature and a fire pit. It's beautiful. And that opens up walk through kitchen family living to, um, the terrace area where that leads out into the pool. And so what we did in that little dining area right off of the pool area is those have retractable screens so that if they want to dine and it's a bad bug night <laughs> that happens here in South Florida, um, the screens can come down and then they can fully open the house and it's screened in from sides from, you know, the terrace in through the courtyard is all screened. Or, you know, if they just want to be out in the pool, they can open up the screens on that part of the house, enjoy the pool, the outdoor dining and the outdoor kitchen and all of that without the screen. So there's lots of options. And then you have an outdoor kitchen, mm -hmm. but it's indoors. Semi. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's, but it, it, all of the walls open up around it. Yes. So it, it almost becomes, um, it's a convertible lanai yes. basically. Yeah. 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 Lots of options. Lots of options. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's what I love about these, these journeys down, you know, with projects and, and exploring, because, you know, it's one thing to talk about what one is doing, but then to see it in practice, to be able to really explore those ideas, I think is just fascinating. It's really interesting to me. What's really um, interesting about that particular one is um, <clears throat> I think I listened to um, one of your episodes not too long ago, and someone was talking about that indoor outdoor living and using the same stone, you know, from inside the house outside to carry that seamless look. We're here, we wanted that look, but we really wanted hardwood flooring in the home. So then we did a hardwood floor in the home. The terrace or the courtyard side has a um a tile that looks like the wood, and then the pool side has a paver, but it's the same. It's seamless living, three different materials, all looks exactly the same. I mean, it's amazing. It is amazing. I love that. Um, have you seen, so bu budgets have just been completely busted in, <laughs> in the last couple of years. And it's, it's really interesting to try to predict if prices are going to stay the same or if now that things are 
opening up a little because, and the reason that's important is because it determines how much you can do on a project. Right. Are, are, what are people sacrificing? And, you know, some clients, it's just like, I want it. I'm going to pay for it. Go get it. Right. I get that. I get that. Um, But others have to make tough choices. What are some of the things where people said, you know, I am not sacrificing this. This is something that, you know, I realize I have to do not structurally, you know, not saying, okay, well, the open spaces, we need to put some walls in. But aside from that, what are things that people are saying? I, I just have to have this. I mean, I think in terms of what people are sacrificing, I think it's the timeline. Um, I think the clientele that we work with is like, well, we're going to get that. We just might not get it today. So let's focus on this and then we'll add that later. So they're not necessarily sacrificing on what they want because they're at a stage in their life and, you know, financially and otherwise that they're like, no, that's what we want. But, um, you know, the stuff that they have to do now, they'll, they're going to do, but we're, we see a lot of the fun spaces. So, um, you know, we have a client we're working with now that we're building a, you know, a bar with a golf simulator so he can have, you know, these tournaments with his friends. And, you know, it's kind of like these over the top lux fun things, And, you know, we have these people moving here from everywhere and they have the disposable income to be able to get the fun things in their house. So we're doing, you know, full-size walk-in refrigerator freezers in a house that's in, you know, kind of like the, the messy kitchen. It's like a walk-in because they entertain that much, you know? So it's things like that, that are like, wow, that's fun. That's cool. How do we make that like extra special? So just those really, you know, really special details are what people are like, we have to have it something they've dreamed about for a long time. So what's the learning curve like for you? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't know how to, you you didn't know about putting in an indoor golf simulator uh, and designing around (laughs) it. What's, what's that like for you? It's fun. (laughs) You know, it's fun. And part of that process is obviously we have to say to our clients the same thing, like, Oh, that's cool. I can't wait to learn about it. You know, I mean, we're not definitely not walking into it. Like, we're an expert in how to design around a golf simulator. So it's, it's a fun learning process. And, you know, we work with other professionals who do know everything about it and understand it. And so working really hand in hand with those people to understand what needs to happen to make it, you know, a really functional, uh, usable feature in their home. And then we can, you know, put everything around that and pull it all together for them. But yeah, bringing in the people that really know about those specifics you know, and working with them on how to pull the design together. Love it. That is so cool. Uh, Tracy, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I really appreciate the time today. It is fun. I really was so excited to talk to you, especially when I heard you say that you were an introverted extrovert. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> it, okay. So it's, it's funny though, because you say that I have to tell, I have to just tell the story. So um, when it comes to college, uh, you know how you you hear some people were on like the five-year plan or the six-year plan. It took them five or six years to do it. I was on the 30-year plan, <laughs> um, literally on the 30-year plan. Long story, but suffice to say, when I I went back to finish in like 2017 and my the last classes that I had to take were in psychology. And so it was a, it was a, it was a capstone psychology course for my major. And I, 
I learned so much. There's such a process of self-discovery that one can learn by taking a psychology course. It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was great. Thank thank you, Tracy. You're welcome. Thank you. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. The Institute of Classical Architecture and Art Southern California chapter is a forum for professionals in the industry and enthusiasts to come together, share their love, and show their commitment to the timeless principles of beauty, proportion, and observation that are embodied in classicism. Their members include renowned architects, designers, landscape architects, builders, students, artists, and creatives from every walk of life. It's a wonderful organization designed to celebrate the unique regional identity of Southern California and help develop the careers of the like-minded. If you're interested in joining or would like to learn more about sponsorship and support for the ICAA Southern California chapter, please email me, convobydesign at outlook.com. Thank you, Tracy. Loved our chat and appreciate the time. There is such value in the art of listening, and it's an art form. Thank you, Convo by Design Partners, Sponsors, and Friends, Thermosol, Moya Living, Design Hardware, the ICAA Southern California Chapter, and the Oasis Alliance. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I hope you enjoy the show because that's why I do this. I would also love to hear from you. I love the guest submissions and show ideas, so keep them coming. Email me, convobydesign at outlook.com, or message me on Instagram, Convo by Design with an X. Remember why you do what you do and for whom you do it. Let that be the thing that drives you to to push boundaries. And let's keep moving our industry forward. Be well. And until next week, take today first. (laughs) 